Hello and welcome to the Virtual Clinical Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sunderland. This is a spot where nurses share their stories and their experiences to provide mentorship as well as help nurses and soon-to-be nurses just like yourself along the way. I hope you enjoy these episodes. everybody. Welcome to season three, episode eight of the Virtual Clinical Podcast. I am very honored today to join Lexi J. She is known as at Nurse Lexi J on Twitter. She's also known as the Corporate Nurse. And I'm very excited to introduce someone who I think is very well written about and experienced in. She's got over 15 years of experience in nursing. She's an expert in career strategy. She's a nurse career coach. She helps bedside nurses obtain corporate positions, which I think is so exciting. Her company's ethos is nurses belong in boardrooms. Corporate nursing is a path for nurses that I plan to bring to the masses. How can products, devices, and drugs be made better by having more nurses involved in the process? Lexi, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. You're welcome. So I'd like to ask everybody as a start question, why did you become a nurse? What made you go into nursing? Hmm. So I went into nursing because I was looking for job security I was 19, didn't know what I wanted to do. Someone told me people are always going to be sick. There will always be a need for nurses. And I thought, well, okay, I'll give it a chance. And so I got a job at a hospital just to see, could I handle the blood, the guts, the crying people, (laughs) everything. And I saw some trauma nurses that were just so amazing. I was like, I want to be that and enrolled in nursing school. That's awesome. What what about trauma did, did, did that grasp you to? Um, seeing the worst of the worst, I, I figured if I could do trauma nursing, I could do any kind of nursing. And so seeing people, bad wrecks, gunshot wounds, stabbings, drowning accidents, all of that, and being able to manage it and be diplomatic with patients and families, I knew if I had that foundation that I could go anywhere. For sure. I mean, trauma nursing in general, or like high tense critical care nursing, or even like trauma ED nursing, if you're not standing on your own two feet by the end of day one, you're, you're going to, you're going to have a hard time, right? (laughs) They will build a great nurse in those areas. It's a true statement. (laughs) So your first job was, I'm assuming at a large university medical center in a surgical ICU. What was that job like? Um, So that was a great job. It was a 34-bed ICU. We took care of a lot of sick liver transplants, a lot of airway management, trauma uh, overflow, uh, because we had a separate trauma unit, a lot of radical neck dissections, just anything that couldn't be managed in the operating room would come to us. And it was great. Um, You were senior staff at six months. And so it was a big generator for CRNA school. And initially that's what I thought I wanted to do was to be a CRNA. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I got to manage patients, big money, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but life happened and it did not work out that way. And so I had to figure what else can I do? That's going to pay me big money, but not stress me out. Oh, you just said enough. My, so my friend is in CRNA school right now and we talk frequently about the stress of CRNA school and so many other people that I've known that gone, that have gone on to become CRNAs. I, I don't know that I could personally do the stress of three years of CRNA school. Right. I don't know how they do it. And I'm certainly glad that, you know, you've chosen another route for people to hear because I feel like there's such a less stressful pathway Absolutely. of doing nursing. <laughs> so then what made you switch then from becoming a registered nurse in the surgical ICU to then experiencing interventional radiology? Uh, So I wanted to do, I wanted to stay in critical care, but I wanted something different. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of getting sick physically at night, Uh, about 2 a.m. every night I was starting to get sick and I worked weekend shift, so I didn't have to take call. And so I thought, okay, I don't want to go to day shift here in the surgical ICU, so I've got to do something else. And where do all ICU nurses go to die? Either PACU or IR. So (laughs) I went to IR. But it's not just us up here in the north. (laughs) so so that must have not been probably an easy process because I can imagine that there's probably more on call in IR oh my gosh so um they did not tell me about the call during my interview process oh no 
And I did not know. So I accepted this position thinking I was just going to be working four tens a week and that was it. And then it was like, <laughs> um, yeah, we've got this call shift and you take it's one weekend a month and then at least one night a, a week. And I was like, hold on. I've got a child. For. That's not what I signed up for. I got to go somewhere else. <laughs> so it's not a good place for people to go retire from is what you're saying. No, because call, <laughs> I mean, I had never taken call as a unit nurse. We didn't have, well, I didn't have to because I worked weekend night. So that was one of the perks. If you worked weekend night shift, you did not take call. And I just got used to it. And so after years of not having call and then to be thrown into it, it was kind of like, uh, no. Yeah. And were you close to this organization that you could drive in easily? Uh, no, I was about 35 plus minutes without traffic. Um, wow. Atlanta traffic, I'm pretty sure you've heard, can be pretty brutal. Uh, yes. I didn't know at the time when I moved here that it was that bad. And so I thought, oh, it'll be nothing. And then I got into the thick <laughs> of it and was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Right. I'm an hour away now because traffic <laughs> is that bad. I Good luck, y'all. Right. Good luck at your hospital. Right. Because <laughs> we have we have an IR department where I work. And so we treat strokes primarily, but mm-hmm. we also do all the other IR procedures. And my friend Morgan, who's been on the podcast before, decides to go to IR for some reason. She's like, oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be nice. Right. Like you were thinking. And call is going to be fine. And I'm like, okay, I'll support you with it. Like whatever. So she would spend like some weekends living at my house basically. Cause she was a good hour and a half away from our hospital. Cause a lot of people where I'm from, they, they they live upwards of three hours away to work at our hospital. So yeah. So <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I, I know why, right. Cause there's a lot of other hospitals that are just not the best, mm-hmm. but, um, and most people are attracted to the large academic medical center setting really? and we have a really good culture, I think anyway. So she would spend weekends at my house and just be like on call so that I had to give her like an extra key. Cause she would just be like in and out. <laughs> and I remember like she had packed her bags. I'll have to, sh- I'll have to show you this photo because <laughs> she has like four suitcase bags packed of clothes <laughs> to live in my house for like two days. And I'm like, Morgan, <laughs> what, what, are, what are you doing? What is your life right now? She goes, I don't know. She goes, just feed me food. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> all y'all that are listening, IR nursing is not just a walk in the woods. Uh, it is not even a day at the beach. It is like you hopped on a flight, you got off of the Rocky Mountains, you hiked through some snow, you found yourself a nice patch, you slipped down it. And then you're lucky enough if you survive all that. <laughs> that's IR nursing it's IR nursing SICU nursing so I so going back to this real quick um I'm so glad that you have been a SICU nurse I've been a neuro neuro ICU nurse excuse me um for about 11 years now and I teach as well hence the hence this podcast right and so um I always describe the cliffs of death to nursing students. And I do this because of the busyness of how nursing and certain ICUs work. Mm-hmm. And if we just described IR, right? So SICU is like those Rocky Mountains where it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. Right. You're never like one solid patient level. You're kind of like, what do we bring in next? It's kind of right. crazy. Your HVI is kind of like a stepping stone down, <laughs> sadly enough, right? You start up here, you got a good heart, maybe your EF is like 60% and then it, it kind of fails a little bit. And, oh no, but we have these machines and the machines are pretty <laughs> and then it kind of steps down a little bit and then you follow that trend, you know, until the patient is no longer able to have something mechanical help them. Right. And then you have your medical ICU, which is not my favorite, but from, from this pandemic, we have switched like so frequently back and forth to different units, Right. And that I describe as like a toilet <laughs> where the patients, you're just kind of like swirling back and forth. And then, and then it's like, we're going to go down this way. Right. And then the doctors are like, oh, we should do something about that. <laughs> it waits so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to save you now. Right. Right. And then my land in the neuro ICU, which is, which is kind of my favorite un- unbashedly enough, but you know, I am what I am you have these patients here and then something happens to them and it just goes, bam. Mm-hmm. If you don't save them within like 30 seconds of whatever's happening, it's kind of like this detrimental thing happened to them. Right. So everyone listening, like when Lexi's describing like how chaotic and her first state seeing blood, guts and gore, that is something that exists within those Rocky mountains. And, you know, if you're not prepared enough, a little bit to handle that, you know, that could be something that really triggers you or like, you know, kind of moves you around to a different place. Exactly. Yes. So I'm assuming that IR nursing 
that was like the, like this call system was probably the end of it. And you were like, I'm yes. done with iron nursing. Um, then you moved into, <laughs> then you, then you moved to becoming a liver transplant coordinator, which I don't know how y'all do it down there, but it's pretty busy up here being a liver transplant coordinator. Yeah. So what made you move into that role? Um, so in the surgical ICU, I took care of a lot of sick livers and I just developed a really fond love of them. Liver is very hard to manage. There's never a dull moment. You know, it, it's such an important organ. And I thought I'm going to give this coordinator position a chance because I like hepatology and let's see what happens. Yeah. Hands down, if I would have been ready for retirement, this would have been the position I would have stayed in. Okay. If I we're going to stay in a hospital, you know, base position. It yeah. was amazing. I carried a very large team for the organization I worked for. Um, I touched a lot of lives, a lot of educating patients, you know, getting a, a liver transplant is a really big procedure. Every time I had a yeah. patient going to the OR, I was always nervous because you just never know. But I wanted more and I was young and I thought, this is a great job, but I still go home with stress. I'm worried. Like, did I titrate that med correctly? Is my patient yeah. going to fail? I had started to develop like a stress ulcer. I'm taking like Nexium in the office because I'm still stressed out, even though I'm not in the ICU, but these patients are still sick. Um, you know, the first year post-liver transplants, very intensive. And we managed their graft from day of discharge until death. And so wow. while it was wonderful, and when I lost a patient, I would cry in my office. I knew I wanted more and it wasn't just going to be this. What else is out there? And so this medical device called, called me for an interview. Hey, we saw your uh, resume online. We like your critical care experience. Would you be interested in talking to us? And I was like, nurses work in medical device companies? Okay, so yeah, I'm right? gonna put this. <laughs> and, um, you know, in school, we're never taught about these kind of positions. It's basically, you know, hospital-based or, you know, you go back to school for advanced practice nurse or CRNA or education. It's not really this path. And so I, I had no one to seek guidance from, no one to talk to like about the interview process and how do I really get this job and do I negotiate my salary? Nothing. And so I jump in with both feet and I'm on this I think it was a six week interview process where I had to do multiple rounds of interviewing with wow. um, the clinical team, then the sales team. Then I had to present at the end to the director and it just was so different than what we experienced as nurses. But I kept going, showing up scared no matter what. And that was the start of my corporate nursing career. That's awesome. And so did this, so firstly, did the stress level decrease once you took that job? Absolutely. That's awesome. Cause yeah. I, I can imagine that being a coordinator um, and worrying about, I'm sure thousands of patients over the course of your time there yes. is stressful enough, managing meds, co coordinating with, with the physician team, coordinating with like PTOD therapy teams, all that stuff. It's, it's a big job. Yes. And it's also exhausting and it's not surprising to hear it. And I wish it was different that you had to go through the six week process of interviewing. It almost seems silly, right? Cause it's like, they found you. <laughs> online, they saw your expertise, they liked you. And they're like, well, we're also going to put you through six weeks of interviews, right, to just get this job. <laughs> so was that was that was that alone stressful for you as well? Oh, yeah, I was definitely stressed. I had one friend that um, I worked with when I was uh, in the trauma unit that went into a corporate kind of sales position. So I reached out to her to kind of get feedback on how the interview process was. But since she was on the sales side, she could only help so much. She was more so telling me how to win big with the sellers that I was interviewing with, but I really didn't know clinically wise what they were looking for. And so it was just kind of a show up and do your best. And it was down to me and one other candidate that they really liked what they really liked me. And so I had to really put my best foot forward to obtain the position. Seriously, and just show up and just be like, you want me, you mean to hire yeah. me? You found me. So guess what? <laughs> Y'all are hiring me. So in this role as a clinical manager for a device company, describe what it's like to be a nurse in this role. Okay. Um, so what I did is I supported two sellers um, and they were responsible together over about 115 hospitals between Georgia, South Carolina, and East Tennessee. And I would go into hospitals with them and I would assess 
certain things that nurses would provide for patients. And then I would take all of that information and put it into this big presentation. And I would present it to C-suite executives at the hospital with the emphasis of upselling this company's portfolio to get the hospital to purchase different types of devices. And so while it was clinically based, it was still in a selling position to make money for the company. Yeah, for sure. Did you feel like you needed a business background to take this job? Not at all. No, they okay. really were looking for someone who had a strong clinical skill set, but then they were going to teach you that business side of how to tell a story, how to speak to an audience, and to really beef up your business acumen so you could be successful in the role. That's awesome. So is that kind of when you decided to get your master's of healthcare administration? Ironically, I had started the program about four months prior to this job coming open. And ideally my thought was I'm going to go into some type of hospital administration role. And so I debated between MBA and MHA and I talked to my CNO and she told me, you know, MHA really lets you run systems. Like if you want to manage this big hospital system, that's the better path to take. So I went ahead and went for the MHA and then just so happened this job came up at the medical device company. And so it, I wasn't needed definitely, but it helped me in the path of getting into that business mindset as well as I was going through classwork and then, you know, being at work, looking at, you know, the value analysis committee and how they want to purchase things and speaking to them and learning their, you know, what's their triggers for, yes, we do need to buy something. So it it did help, but it was definitely not needed. That's awesome though. So after you were done at this company, you moved on to become a clinic, I'm sorry, a contract excuse me, (laughs) senior clinical trial nurse. (laughs) I get excited because my friend is also in clinical trials, but he does like a manager of of these things. And I kind of read this thing really quickly on her CV. Anywho, (laughs) so as a senior clinical trial nurse educator, I imagine, but please, you know, teach me a lot about this. You're just educating basically on the trials that were, that this company was doing. Yeah, so you, it really depended upon what trial you were on. Um, when I initially was hired, I was over a medical device trial, and I would go in and I would train research investigators and their staff how to perform a particular device. I would be there every time the patient randomized to that device. Um, I got to do a lot of traveling all over to present like during advisory panels and boards, um, getting key opinion leaders information. So it was just, it was like a well-rounded space. I know in nursing school, they make, I thought research was very boring from nursing school. And I thought I, I will never work in research, but in this position, it was so fun. And to educate people on different protocols, how to recruit patients to come into trials, really telling the public about how clinical trials work and, you know, the Tuskegee and all of that that went along. Oh, wow. With how That's awesome. Have taken place and how research is very heavily regulated. Um, it was a wonderful position and I enjoyed the company. I would have loved to stay there, but again, I want more out of my career. <laughs> I keep getting these offers and I'm like, well, this is something new. Let me go and see and try. <laughs> well, this pays me more, so why not, right? <laughs> More money is always good. <laughs> it's always good. I'm so glad. I, I'm really glad as well that you brought up the fact that you travel with this company because every single nurse that I've met that's gone through my unit has, well, not every single, excuse me, but a, a lot of them have gone on to travel nursing as a pathway, right? They think it's going to be great for them. And I try to remind people that like, you can do other things outside of bedside nursing and travel and not have to experience like moving different cities every three months or not experiencing like the hatefulness that some hospitals have. This is not a fair world out there. I tell everyone that I'm like, you are getting paid for stepping into a very sticky situation. Right. You sometimes don't know what that situation is. Right. But good for you for moving to, to, I guess, to a new city. But, um, so after this role, I'm assuming that the, that this that this biotech startup found you, and they were like, "Hey, let's interview for six months here, right, <laughs> <laughs> and see if you want to become our senior clinical program manager." And do you still work there currently? I do. Awesome. And so, what is that job like? So it's um, uh, so startups. This was my first startup. Um, okay. Definitely. The interview process was not too rigorous. I think I interviewed with four or five people over one day. Um, They were very open, didn't think a nurse would want the position. And so 
I wear like four different hats. So I'm responsible for starting up some of our clinical trial process and then running the back end on it. If it's any devices, I'm going to train to it and make sure that everyone's up, you know, up to speed on everything. I'm the only nurse that works within the company. So a lot of times I'm brought on to other divisions to ask about, you know, how, how does this work in the hospital setting? How can we make this better for nurses? Um, how can we make this better for providers? And so just think about every new product that's coming that doesn't have a nurse at the table talking about how things really happen in the clinic or in the hospital setting. You know, you have a lot of engineers who are taking these products to market and they just don't know our day-to-day hospital clinical-based nursing. And so I bring in that nursing component of, well, the flow of a clinic is like this, or the flow of a unit is like this, or the flow of the ED. And so you need to think, how will this product be best used for fast paced, rapid, you know, intubation or whichever we're going over. And so I think more nurses should explore these pathways because again, who better than a nurse to help a patient with something when, why are patients in hospitals for 24 hour nursing care? And so that's why hospitals were built. Exactly. And I want more nurses to expand this option because we really need more of us giving insight on these drugs, products, and devices to make them better for not only ourselves, but patients. Yes. I'm so glad that you mentioned that as well. I often work closely with our technology department at the hospital I work for. And all the time we get companies coming to our bedside and they want to solicit information from us, right? And I'm like, you know, that's great and all, but if it's something proprietary in your head and you're trying to fix something or you're like, this doesn't work as well as it should, that's another avenue I think that people don't realize for nurses is that protect that IT, right? IP, excuse me, and then go to the company and say, I have the solution for you, <laughs> but here's what I want out of it because here's what the, this is the idea that you need, right? It's this right. upsell yourself like you've right. done and protect your IP and, and get after it, right? Right. So then I, I'm assuming then that you started the corporate nurse. Was Has this been flowing through your head for a while? Yeah. So ironically, I have been helping people switch over to these positions since 2015. And I really was just doing it for fun. I love career strategy. I love doing resume revamps, talking my friends through just like strategy wise on how to get to different places, be it if they're in the hospital and they want to advance. And then I was really the first nurse that most people knew that went a different pathway. And so people would just reach out to me, hey, how did you do it? Help me out. And I truly was doing it for fun. And then a few friends were like, you know, you really need to make a business of this. And I was like, you know, no one's going to really pay for this. I don't think so. And so just slowly I started doing it. Um, And now within the past like year and a half, I've really gotten in depth, went deep, really tried to push as much into it to bring it to to the masses. Because I was just really doing word of mouth. People would contact me, you know, that went through my coaching and I would get referrals that way. But now I'm really into the marketing and trying to really showcase, you know, um, a reason why I left the hospital world also was because when you're a great nurse, you're really just a great nurse to that facility and those patients you touch. And I want to figure out how I could make my skill set global and touch many different patients all over. And that's what corporate has done for me. And so I tried to take that same path into my company now. How can I make this more, you know, reachable to everyone, the 5 million nurses of us that exist to know, hey, Mm -hmm. this is the path for you. You don't have to you know, it's great to want to go and do advanced practice, but some of us just aren't called to that. We have different, you know, passions and skills and it's okay to not wear a stethoscope every day and go to a hospital. You can still have a great impact on healthcare and other positions. That is the, yes. Thank you for saying that (laughs) because I often get very passionate when my students have no clue what they want to do, you know, and they're, they're kind of looking towards doing bedside and I'm like, that's great. You know, if you need to spend five years at the bedside to really learn what you're doing, how to handle people, because you le- you do learn a lot of skills yeah. at the bedside. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. You learn strategy. You learn how to talk to people. You learn um, conflict and how to and how to resolve conflict. There's so many skills that are so relevant for bedside nursing to move into corporate nursing. Right. That if you just spend some time getting to know what I consider your consumer, your customer, whatever you want to do later in life. These skills are highly important and not everybody needs to go to MP school or CRNA school, or I don't know, nurse education, which 
unfortunately makes zero dollars. I mean, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a nurse educator and teach for a college until I realized that my salary would be cut in half right. from what I'm currently making. And I'm like, but this isn't fair, <laughs> right? This is not how this works. When that. the professor of math, right? Let's just go an example, could make upwards of like $260,000 at, at some college, but nursing is kind of like down here, right? So yeah. it's this really unfair attitude that I don't know where nursing fits in, in in anywhere, but we need to start becoming people of boards, being on companies, being in startups, all that stuff. So yes, I I got so excited. You know, I I was, (laughs) this video, we we record on on, on video, right? But like the audio is the only thing that we use. And I was throwing my hands up when Lexi was saying these things. I was so excited about it. Yes, you speak the language. So anywho, sorry. So quick question then, when you started this business was that a really daunting concept for you to like start it like all of a sudden like you're like okay I'm gonna do this now um definitely I was kind of you know still like on the fence do I want to do it how big do I want it you know and so I just kind of took it in steps like first I got you know like my business name and filed for my LLC and got my EIN and then um have really just learned on my own, read a lot of books, did a lot of consults. And then um, I had no idea like nurse Twitter existed and stumbled upon it one day and was like, wait a minute, there are nurses out here that are like really doing it. I mean, outside of their bedside role have found things that they're passionate about. I've started business and are running with it. And so just being in the mindset of being with them, talking with them, it really pushed me to go, go, don't, don't just sell myself short and try to, you know, oh, this is great to do on the side on the weekends when I'm, you know, not busy with my nine to five. I, I mean, I really work at this every day and do consults every day with corporate nurses to be. And now I'm really hitting my stride. I'm like, wow, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this. That's awesome. And I imagine that consulting is kind of like almost, right? Cause there's taxes, almost hundred percent money going to you as opposed to paying someone else an hourly rate, you know, like you're there, you don't, you don't do for benefits, right? Cause you're kind of working this nine to five job, but you are there kind of charging your expertise right. and making money. That's hundred percent yours. Right. Yes. That's awesome. And I always vie for people, right? Like, don't be afraid of making money. I think nurses are so afraid of, of talking about money and mm-hmm. making money. Right. They're right. Like always like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to travel nurse and make money. And I'm like, but you don't, but you don't have to. Right. Right. You could could do these other things. Right. Right. And I know a lot of people think, oh, well, if I get into corporate nursing, does that mean I have to travel? And that's not true. Also, some positions travel, you can do anywhere, no travel up to 75%. It's really your comfort level. And depending upon what area you go into, are you going to be on a commercial side? Are you going to be in research and development? Are you going to be at a startup? Are you going to be in IT? And so the, the travel is really what you can make of it. A lot of these companies, you set your travel assignments, you know, you pick what time you want to fly out and you make it work for you. And I know a lot of moms sometimes shy away from it because they're like, I can't do that with kids. But I, my first position had me traveling up 65%. My son was very young at the time and I made it work. I leaned on my village until I could get a nanny and we've made it work. I don't travel nearly as much now, but it's still doable. And I don't want moms or moms to be to shy away from corporate nursing due to the travel because it can be very slim if that's what you want to do. Yeah. And leaning on the village is so important um, yeah. because, you know, even nurses. So Sandy Kao is one of the founders of Nurses You Should Know. And I had her on the podcast, goodness, like over a month ago now. Um, the episode is going to come out soon. But she had three kids while getting her PhD. Wow. And I was like, you literally just talk like it was nothing, you know? You're like, oh yeah, I just popped out three kids while I was getting my PhD. And I'm like, you are my hero because I don't think that I had even thought of that. Not that I'm getting my PhD, but, you know, I think females most times shy away from, you know, being the mom, but also owning the boardroom. Right. Right. It's definitely difficult. And Definitely, when you talk about money, nurses shy away from negotiation and, you know, going into a corporate space, you can negotiate. I mean, I'm definitely someone that has no problem saying if the position doesn't start at this, then I I wish you the best of luck. But I'm at that point in my career where I can, you know, demand that now. But even so, my first position gave me a 35% increase in salary just from going into it. And it was a a guaranteed bonus of 17,000. I had a company car. I really, I mean, I... 
overnight, my salary just jumped up. And the ironic thing is um, my, I was in that liver transplant coordinator position and they asked me, what can we do to get you to stay and you know not leave for this company? And I said, meet their base salary, I'll stay. They would not do it. They wouldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> I said, okay. Yeah, that's that's how you know they kind of value you, right? Right. So, and I, I, I mean, I think that's true. I think a lot of times, you know, I've met nurses who even at the staff nurse position just want to negotiate their salary. And as much as I, I appreciate nurses unions, um, I also think that they're a barrier to helping you negotiate your salary mm-hmm. because, and I don't, I, I don't speak for all of nursing unions, just the one that I belong to, but we have just the set rate of, you have this many amount of experience and we have step raises, but you all start at the same level and it's kind of nice. But if you're one that likes to produce, right. If you're one that likes to volunteer on councils or like research or make articles happen or, you know, do something different. Those are tools that you can negotiate towards for a higher salary. And we don't often get those in staff nurses. Is there any tips for negotiating? So let's say like I walk into an interview and they're like, we love you. We're going to give you this job and this new corporate car and this corporate card. I mean, whose dream is not that, right? It's my, one of my dreams, right? But so, and they offer you X amount of dollars per year as salary. So what are some of the things that you recommend people go into when, when, when they are negotiating their salary? Um, I definitely think you need to know your number beforehand um, and how do you get to that number. I'm a firm believer in researching the company, researching that job title and seeing regionally what's the difference in pay, what's the starting mid max. Once you know, I still never give a number out. I always flip it back on the hiring manager or the recruiter and say, what's the allocated budget for this position? And I force them to tell me what the budget is. So I even know if I'm going to waste my time even going with this interview or if it's worth my while. Yeah. And if they still try to press you, press you, press you for a number, I'm, I'm a firm believer. And, you know, if an offer were to be extended, I am sure we could come to some form of an agreement. I don't give my number out until I'm invested and they're invested because once you're down two and three interviews in, they're invested in you and the chances of them not giving you the salary you request is pretty slim. But if they won't give the number first, then I mean, they can't force you. A lot of companies now, you know, can't ask you about salary in, in, the, in the past. And so I use that to my leverage. Um, but one thing I don't want nurses to do is just go with the flow. You should know your number right off. You know, I know on my next job what I want to make. You know, I try to go for a 15 to 20% salary increase in every position. So knowing your number first and then kind of tracking back. And I always say, aim high, let them talk you down. So if you know your number is... 125,000. Say 135 and let them bring you down to 125. You'd be amazed. Why not? Why not? <laughs> we'll meet you at 130. Okay. That's I mean, that's, that's such a good tip too, because how many times, you know, perhaps when you're in the SICU and other parts of the hospital, have you seen interviews happen where the nurse comes in and they're like, I just want a job here. Mm-hmm. You know, that very relaxed atmosphere of letting it roll. Yeah. And I've never experienced what, you know, senior leadership and vice presidents and all that stuff do on their interviews. But I think this is a really good secret that you're bringing out of how this actually works and where you know that you want to be and what to ask for and what to kind of demand and not letting all of the secrets out in one spot. Right, right. And definitely knowing that it is a negotiation, that you're interviewing them as well as they're interviewing you. And if a company's going to nickel and dime you on salary, is that a place you really want to work? Right. Absolutely. During the interview process, how different is it versus interviewing for a hospital position? Oh, that's a great one. Um, So for a lot of corporate positions, they want to know what outcomes you've generated in your area. And so it's really about taking your skill set and leveraging. Like you were saying, if you're someone who likes to volunteer for committees, you like to join things, you like to produce in your area, make sure it's reflected in your resume and speak to those skills. Every time someone's given you an attaboy or a patient family has went above and beyond for you, recommendations, someone wrote you an email, you want to bring all of that in your brag book to showcase you have the skills to do it. You've got this wonderful nursing foundation and that you can bring it to this company and meet their goals and exceed them. Quick question too, because you just mentioned a brag book and I love that. Um, when I was interviewing for a clinical letter five position, 
I had to, they said, Nicole, put everything you've done in 10 years in a binder. <laughs> like, okay. It's a lot of stuff. Right. And it's probably, I had to get like a, like, I don't know, three inch binder and like 15 different segments of like the things that I've done. So is this brag book something that you're actually physically showing them? Is it, cause it was something that I had to show people when I had to interview that had you do this formal thing where you send it in all that good stuff. And then you get to talk about yourself in a very positive way during this interview process. So is this an actual like physical book you're bringing with you, like a portfolio? Is it something that's in your head that you're kind of like in the back of my mind, I have all of these things that I need to talk, to talk about, or is it something else? It's definitely something I have in my head. Now, I know for some sales positions, they will ask you if you have your brag book and could you show them just some, you know, what are some wins that you've had? But for myself, I keep I keep any email that I've received that shows, you know, that someone thinks I've went above and beyond, but I just speak to it in an interview to let them know, um, you know, I was awarded this or that, just so they know that I'm not someone who's coming in watching the clock go by and going home. I'm someone who goes above and beyond. So just keeping it in your head definitely is great because, you know, in the hospital, they really don't ask us those kind of questions in an interview in a, you know, a regular standard bedside interview. It's really, why do you want to work here? Tell me about a time you've done this or that. And then, you know, you're mm-hmm. on to the next one. Um, and in a lot of corporate positions, the formatting of interviewing is very different. You want to okay. always, you know, they'll ask you a question. Tell me about a time that you had an issue and it didn't turn out well. And so you want to state the problem, what occurred, what action you took, and then what outcome you had. And so, so kind of like an S-bar. Yes, almost. definitely like an S-bar. Absolutely. And so that's a good way to always stay on track with your interviews because, you know, sometimes we're nervous, excited, we get off on a tangent, but if you remember that S-bar, then exactly right. You will answer all the questions because a lot of times it's a scored interview and you want to make sure okay. that you you get to the whatever score they're looking for to meet, go on to the next um, round. That's great to know because some some positions in the hospital use a scoring system as opposed to a behavioral feedback question, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times staff nurses face these behavioral feedback questions. You know, what, like, give me a situation you were in and how'd you feel about it, right? Because they're trying to peel out of you. How would you behave in this situation? And oftentimes, you know, it doesn't really necessarily bring the whole you out. Right. Whereas I think the scoring system really brings the whole you out right. because it's you're scored, right? And these people need to hear all of the parts, the S bar parts that you described, and perhaps the passion behind it, perhaps, you know, they're looking for key words behind these yeah. stories. Right. So I mean that would that would kind of scare me at first if I didn't know what scoring interviews were, <laughs> right? Why are, you, why are you scoring me? <laughs> Am I in school? <laughs> So then you decided to build this business out and now you offer, I think, videos on Instagram, I've seen, right? And do you have a YouTube channel? I do. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> so what are the differences between the Instagram stuff and the YouTube stuff that you talk about? Um, on YouTube, I go a little bit more in depth with the videos, you know, um, and sometimes I will upload it still to IG. Um, but really I know a lot of, you know, bedside nurses are definitely active on Instagram. And so I just like to do a quick reels to, to show them, Hey, did you know that this path is available to you? Um, with the hope that they then either go to my website, book a free discovery call. And we have a discussion about, you know, some pathways for them. Big question that I always get is how much time do I have to have at the bedside to, I can go into corporate nursing. And so I I say three years because that's what I see most positions. However, I know for critical care nurses, a year at least you can get you some positions in corporate, but it has to be like strong critical care experience. So it just varies. But I know for run-of-the-mill positions that you're not going to be training, you're going to be doing some heavy like scientific work in, they want at least three years of some type of experience. And I think that's enough time to give you a strong foundation because you're going into positions where they're expecting you to be the expert. You're the clinician. So how can we make this better? What have you seen? Help us make our product, our trinket better. And so you really have to be able to dig back and lean on that foundation. If you've not seen a lot, then you just may have some gaps, you know? So I, I just tell everyone to be conscious. Some people feel, you know, strongly at two years. I definitely felt like that, you know, after that first year, I was okay. Like I could take care of anything that rolled into the bedside, but I hadn't seen everything. But after five years, I mean, I was like, oh, this is no, a no brainer. You know, I felt like anything that walked in, I would be able to handle. So it's just every, everyone's different. So whatever your comfort level is. 
Yeah, and I, I can also imagine that when you develop skills, whether it be three years of, of like nursing anywhere and one year as a strong ICU nursing, like let's say that you want to do your first job as a clinical educator for a product company, mm -hmm. right? So education might be the easiest way into yes. corporate nursing, whereas sales might not be the easiest way for, or like a recommended first job right. of corporate nursing, right? Correct. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. Education is really the easiest way to jump in, get your feet wet, see if you even like it. And then from there, you really can build upon and, and go whichever way you want to go. And for those that live like in Boston or San Diego, San Francisco, where your big startups or a lot of startups are there, you could really maximize some great potential, make some great money, get perks, um, and really bring some new innovative technology to market for, for patients. That's awesome. Quick question back to the interview process. How important is it to have, to, to make sure that your dress is appropriate? <laughs> um, let me tell you what I've seen as staff nursing. <laughs> these people have walked in, in like the six inch stilettos, right? And like these, I know your face says it all, right? Yeah. These cut off shirts and just my, my manager. And like, she's like, the girl had flowers in her hair. I was like, probably, I'm sure she meant very well from it, but probably not something <laughs> that but, you want to bring on your interview. <laughs> no. So you, I always, for, for those new to it, go on Pinterest, um, pull up Olivia Pope attire and get some good. I love Olivia Pope. Um, putting in just business casual. I don't think you need to come in, you know, full three-piece suit all and proper, but you definitely want to look presentable. Always have a nice pair of black slacks, navy slacks, gray slacks. Um, I'm someone that likes my personality to shine in an interview, so I will wear a, a nice pop color shirt. I think okay. as long as you have on, you know, great shoes, they don't have to be, you know, high dollar Christian Louboutins, but they could, you know, just some nice TJ Maxx. I'm a TJ Maxx queen. Get you some yes. nice TJ Maxx have slacks on, great shirt, and let your personality shine and go in there and get that job. Definitely don't wear scrubs. Someone has done that to me before. And I just had to wonder, why would you wear scrubs to a professional you know, interview? But maybe that's just something in nursing we kind of need to educate more on. And I, even for myself, I'd never wear scrubs to a hospital interview, but maybe just in some facilities, that's okay. Uh, I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually a really good point. And I'm, I'm starting to think here, like maybe you know, the thought is that they're going to remain a nurse in this corporate world. And so, you know, scrubs in their mind at the time might be this appropriate step, right? right. Whereas some hospitals interview you and you have to pack scrubs because they want you to experience the unit with another nurse. Wow. And yeah, and other hospitals I've seen um, interview days where people have worn all sorts of stuff. Like I I, so when I first started nursing, back in 2008, I had to fly all over the country to interview. There was a job shortage everywhere. I had interviewed, all, I think I sent out 60 resumes alone in Pennsylvania, which is where I live. And it was not, it was not a fair process. It was if you didn't do a traditional bachelor's program at this school and the school has, a has this relationship with this hospital, we're not going to give you the job. We don't even give you the interview, right? So <laughs> stigma against second degree students like myself. And then I had to um, literally interview in Boston, in Texas. I flew out to California. My friend lived there. So I visited California. I was like, oh, vacation time. It's gonna be right. <laughs> to interview at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And they had this gigantic interview day and I was not prepared for that. And it was kind of like these desks set up and you just kind of went to these tables and did this quick interview with this manager and they moved right along. And I was like, what did I just go through? Right. So thank you for those tips because I don't even know what I would do in certain interviews with tech companies. Cause it's kind of like, well, what are they wanting out of you? Like, you know, cause we don't see that often nurses in real life, in real time interviewing for corporate jobs. Mm -hmm. They're on LinkedIn all the time and I love meeting them on LinkedIn, but they also have a very professional photo taken and that carries you a long way. So I'm very glad that you mentioned Olivia Pope and TJ Maxx because I also love TJ Maxx and Ross. I just purchased three dresses for this like uber fancy wedding we just went to. Like I felt very out of place at this place, but it was great to buy like $30 dresses that I can now take to professional jobs once I'm done my DMP yeah. and present myself in a different way that you don't have to spend a lot on. 
right? No, no, you definitely don't. I, the loft, I'll get on the loft clearance rack and get stuff there. I mean, when I got my first corporate position, that's where I went. I bought a pair of black, blue, gray slacks, tons of shirts, and I just rotated it out until I could, you know, get more staple pieces. And yeah. I mean, you don't have to go dump your whole closet out. You just need a few key items because you're going to probably be presenting, you know, once or twice a month. You know, you don't need every day. You're not going to have to wear, you know, press dress to the nines. So yeah, a few staple pieces will take you very far. That's awesome to hear because I, um, I remember this job back, back in the day when I, like, so I thought I had this job and then I got removed from this job two weeks later whole other story. And I went to White House Black Market mm. and awesome. love that, right? And I bought like a couple pieces. I was like, I'm going to move in this, in this professional world. I'm just going to buy a couple pieces. And my mom was there and she was like, yeah. And she goes, as you make money, she save that and purchase some more pieces and you'll figure out your look. You'll figure yeah. out how you want to present to your clients, how you want to present to all these people. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm, I'm unloading a thousand dollars worth of clothing into my closet right. if that's what you want to do go ahead right <laughs> but got it like that you know <laughs> <laughs> right like if you want to roll up to your interview in a Louis Vuitton bag <laughs> if that if you're if you're starting your your starting salary must be like about 1.2 mil right <laughs> and you're coming into this company and you're like I'm your next CEO right this is what I, this is what I want right oh my goodness so what, what is the future for the corporate nurse? Like, what are you doing now for it? Um, what do you envision this to be? I can't wait to, to recommend my students to you. I have a student, um, his name is George Samuel. And it made me think of you a lot because he, <clears throat> he is such an innovator. And I, I just wanted to, I, I always love pushing my students to be, to be who they think they're going to be, right? Because I don't want to force you into a job that you're not going to like. Right. I, you have to experience the neuro ICU with me, regardless of if you actually want to be there or not. <laughs> but clinical is not for me to force you to come work with me later, right? Clinical is to help you identify who you are right. and then push you towards that sort of avenue of what you want to be. And so George, right. he was like so interested in like the patents I have and like all the stuff that I'm doing. And I'm like, you need to go into like some sort of technology space yeah. and do it up, right? So I hadn't heard from him since graduation. And then like all of a sudden I get this email. Hey, Nicole, <laughs> hope you're doing well. Uh, I would love if you would write me a letter of recommendation for this hospital that I'm interviewing at. I spent the last year out in San Francisco at a technology startup as my first job. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I can't even believe that you did that. Like you went for it. You realize maybe it's not something that you want to do right now. So you're coming back to bedside nursing. But I was so proud of him when he told me that. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, you really need, you needed to, you needed to do that because that was the innovator in, in you speaking out. Yeah. And see, that's what it's all about him taking that chance. And a lot of us, you know, don't think that if you don't like it, you can always go back to the bedside. We are never going to be short of bedside positions for the most part. Right. You can always Correct. go back. So, but why not try it just to see what you never know the experience you're going to learn that you can take either back to bedside or to another company. And so I just wish more would be like your student and just, hey, leap and give it a chance. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to recommend people to your services too, because I think that it's 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 people like you that, that we need to learn from and hear from. And you often don't get that. You would get the gatekeepers that want to keep you out of things mm -hmm. and not welcome you into new spaces. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have to realize that these spaces need to be open to everybody and we have to welcome each other because I want to go to Atlanta and visit y'all. I mean, that'd be so much fun, right? <laughs> and like experience corporate nursing from a different realm because that sounds really fun. Right, yeah, and I can't work every job. So, you know, I, there's plenty of right. people that definitely will gatekeep and, well, you know, I only want to tell you about so much. I can't have you making the same amount of money as me. I, I don't care. I leave my right. ego at the door. I just right. want my nurses in here making great money having a good time and knowing that you don't have to be super stressed out or chained to a hospital to make nursing work for you. Right. Exactly. So well said. So what is next for the corporate nurse? Um, so what's next for the corporate nurse? So um, I have a leap to corporate nursing course that I'm doing a live version of. It starts tomorrow, June 1st. Um, and so people can still enroll up until this evening. And what that's going to entail is 
my self-directed course, but they will get access to me once a week. We will get on, do a live discussion, q and I'm going to talk them through things, how to search. Um, they can ask all the questions that they want to ask. We'll do some kind of mock interviewing um, and really set them up to get their first bedside position, uh, bedside um, corporate position. And Otherwise, my coaching services, I have different programs that I offer. One is for the, the entry level bedside nurse that's ready to come into corporate. And we work together for six months, really getting you to that first position. But I, I really am your guide, your cheerleader. I'm going to push you um, to get you where you want to be. And then for um, a corporate nurse that's in the space, wants to take her or his career to the next level, go for that C-suite, there's programs for that. And so I'm gonna probably be building that one out more in the coming year, just as more nurses are getting into corporate and, and know this is where they wanna stay in advance. So that advancement tier is gonna be something I'm bringing to, to the masses as well. That sounds awesome. Are there videos as well? Like, is this like a video course that, that you're offering? Is it just like a one-on-one time? Is it a mix? It's a mix. So for the self-directed course, it's audio with me um, and it's through um, Thinkific. You sign in and do all of your coursework there. You've got homework in it and you can reach out to me with questions. And then for every live version, it's just, it's also self-directed in the sense of you do the coursework, but then we meet once a week and have that good Q&A. It's group coaching um, and you get to bounce ideas off your other classmates and talk about what you're experiencing and not feel so alone. Um, and then for those who want that like handheld, definitely one-on-one -on -one coaching, then they have that access to me as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Lexi, is there anything else you want to tell my students that are launching right out of school soon or in the future too? It's fine too. Um, I would tell them to definitely invest in themselves. Never be afraid to invest. You know, we in nursing are pushed to, you know, get certifications, go back, to get a bet, you know, get a master's, get a doctorate. But we really don't talk just about that personal development and, and emotional intelligence and learning that. Mm -hmm. And so don't be afraid to invest into that. I definitely shied away from it early on in my career, didn't know to do it. And I can tell you from the time I began doing just professional development on my own. It's taken my career just up. It's never been wasted money. I've got the return back tenfold. And so definitely know that it's never, never too late to invest in yourself. That is so awesome. Well, Lexi J, thank you so much for joining us on the Virtual Clinical Podcast. I love that. <laughs> I hope that we see you back again on this podcast in the future. Thank awesome. you so much again. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's been great. You're welcome. <laughs>